Inside the Onside podcast, where we look beyond the surface, dive deeper into life's issues. I am Mike Brown, your health and wellness coach, and as always, I'd like to take some time to thank you for choosing to spend the next few minutes of your life with me. I know that you could be doing other things or listening to someone else, but you chose to tune in to the Side the Onside podcast, and for that, I am very, very grateful. I am so grateful that I continue to have these conversations with all of you freshwater warriors out there i am so grateful for it and i'm so thankful for it uh, you guys don't understand how much that means to me uh, you know all the time we're looking for an outlet and this is my outlet this is what keeps me sane this is what keeps me going this is what i use as a tool and a platform not only to help others but to also maintain my optimum overall well-being So, big round of applause, a big thank you to all you freshwater warriors out there. And with that being said, let's create some freshwater moments. You guys, it's been a crazy, 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 crazy summer already. I mean, I thought I had my schedule all figured out. I actually made a schedule. I actually put events into my schedule and then I have followed some of them (laughs) you know what I mean oh man uh this is the second week I've been diving deep into the summer and I said you know what this is the last week we're coming up on the end of the second week and I'm gonna get my things together I'm gonna prioritize and get things in order I'm just gonna have to sacrifice some of these things you know that's just something that we have to do at times We have to prioritize and we have to sacrifice. Some of us, we feel like we've sacrificed all of our lives, but guess what? If you sacrifice one more time for yourself, I promise you, it's gonna be a good outlook for you. Life is, I mean, look, if you're a freshwater warrior, it's guaranteed that you probably sacrificed a lot. You've probably given way more than you received. I feel like my life, it should be, My life should be the definition of sacrifice in my eyes, even though I know that there are people that have given way more. But I feel like I've always sacrificed, always been willing to sacrifice. That's not a scary position for me. It's look, it's been so serious for me that I have it tattooed on me. Because that's what it comes down to. What are you willing to sacrifice? If you want something, what are you willing to give up? People always say, I want to be the best. I want to be the best at whatever I'm doing. I want to dominate at whatever I'm doing. I want to make sure that I know I did everything it took for me to be the best. So those words sound great. They're always something great to say. They're motivational. They get people moving. They get people pumped up. They get people excited. But when things start to move, you start taking those steps to being great. You start to see people trickle out. All of a sudden, that motivation isn't there. All of a sudden, things are a little too difficult. You didn't think this road was going to be this difficult. You didn't think you was going to have to work this hard. You didn't think you were going to have to give up hanging out with your friends. You didn't think you were going to have to give up time with your family. You didn't think that you were going to have to give up eating some of the Pop-Tarts and the the snack cakes that you like. I like Star Crunch. 
star crunches are, are, are a vice for me. I have a sweet tooth. I don't know if you guys have realized that yet. <laughs> I'm not a chipper and dipper. I'm not a salt guy. I I have a sweet tooth. And Oreos have made my life way more difficult by introducing their lemon-flavored cookies. Anybody that knows me, I love lemon and I love peach. Anything lemon, anything peach, I'm I'm after it. I'm after it. And Oreos came out with their lemon cookies. Now, it's been a few years already, but, you know, if you haven't tried them and if you like lemon, I say go for it. Now, here's a little caveat. Family size package of Oreo cookies. I've decimated in about three days, pretty much all by myself. See, that that's the stuff that we can't be having, all right? That's, the, that's what I'm saying. I got a sweet tooth like crazy. But in order to be great, I'm going to have to give that up. If I want to be a great athlete, I'm going to have to give that up. I can't eat the whole package of family-style cookies. What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to sacrifice? See, it's easy to say, oh, I want it, I want it, I want this. I'm willing to do anything for it. I'm gonna work my tail off. I'm gonna be working out every day. And finally someone says, hey, okay, so on top of this workout, I need you to run 10 wind sprints, and I also need you to do a hundred push-ups before you leave. And then after that, we're gonna run some routes, we're gonna throw the football, we're gonna catch, we're gonna do some extra drills. Are you willing to do that? Most people say, hey, I've already done enough. Uh-oh. I've already done enough. I'm good where I'm at. And then you ask the question, do you want to be good or do you want to be great? Chances are they'll say, oh, I want to be great, but I didn't think it was going to mean all of this. Sacrifice. I love that word. I told you, I love that word so much that I have it tattooed on me. Sacrifice. You always have to give up something. Always. <laughs> no matter what it is. I don't care if it's in sports. I don't care if it's at your job. I don't care if it's in your marriage. You're going to have to give up something. In your marriage, you're going to have to give up some time. You're going to have to give up some of that pride. You're going to actually have to work overtime to make things work. You're going to have to say yes when you really want to say no and sit on the couch. And you're also going to have to say no when really you want to say yes. You got to give up something. This wasn't even the topic that I was intending to talk about, but in life, you are going to have to sacrifice something. No one gets away scot-free. Now, some people do if they're totally selfish and self-absorbed. And there, believe me, there are people that run into that. But eventually, it's going to come around and they're going to have to sacrifice something. They're going to have to make a decision. They are going to have to make a decision. Me or them.
you know, we were talk we've been talking about the foundational man. And we are not done with that. I apologize. We've had a little snafu with getting these interviews lined up, uh, making the time work and going back and forth. But I promise you, this is going to be something that's ongoing throughout the whole uh, entire fourth season of the Site Beyond Site podcast. So no need to fret. No need to worry. We're going to keep this thing rolling along and we're going to keep it moving. Because it's a very, very important topic. Foundational man. Like I said, we're focusing on the men right now. We will get into the women later. But what are some of the characteristics of a foundational man? Love. This man has to be able to show love. This man has to be able to understand what love is. This man has to have an understanding that love isn't contingent upon how they feel or or whatever they receive from that person. Love is something that is just given out. There's, what do they say? Love is a debt that can never be paid in full. <laughs> Believe that. Believe that. Love is a debt that can never be paid in full. So this man has to love. Joy, this man has joy in his life. He's smiling. He's happy where he's at. He's he's not even just keeping it for himself, but he's, well, inwardly, I should say. He's not keeping his joy inwardly for himself, but he is presenting it outwardly for others. Here, I, I'm joyful. Here, have some of this joy. Begging people to take some of his joy from him so they can feel the same way. Peace. You're looking at a man, a foundational man that is out at peace with himself. When you're looking at that, you're looking at a powerful man. A man who is at peace with himself, that means he is at peace in all facets of his life, the mind, body, and the spirit, especially the spirit. And like we say at Beyond Sight Wellness, when all those things are aligned, the mind, body, and spirit, when all those things are aligned, you are operating at your optimum level of wellness. Long-suffering. This man is battle-tested. He's been through some things. And he's been through some things quietly. And he's been through some things that other people have witnessed. But the bottom line is this man is battle-tested. This man is a man that knows how to go to war, knows how to go to battle, and come out unscathed. He knows how to break through. He knows how to over overcome. He's not rattled at every little bit of piece of adversity that comes his way. He's not rattled by that. Some things people might be freaking out about, saying, oh my gosh, woe is me. I don't know how to get through this. And he's looking at it like, okay, what's my next step? How can I move forward? Oh, I've seen this before. What did I do the last time? Can I do some of the same things? Or do I need to come up with a different game plan? This man is battle tested. And yet, through all of that adversity, he remains kind. Kind. When you're kind, what are you doing? You're putting others before you. You're looking out for others. You're investing yourself into their well-being. When you're being kind, you're being intentional. 
that's not a passive uh, emotion. Being kind is not a passive action. You're being intentional. Goodness. A foundational man that is filled with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, and goodness. Always looking out for the good of the greater good of everyone. Willing to put themselves on the back burner. I don't know about you women listening right now, but does this not sound like a good man for you? <laughs> does this not sound like a man that is desirable to have in your home as your husband, as your boyfriend, in any kind of relationship, as a mentor or a coach for your, your children, as a teacher? I think this man sounds great. I love foundational men. They are my favorite people on earth. Besides my mom and my wife and my kids, all right? They all they all kind of go in as a package, but you know what I'm saying. I don't want anybody emailing me or texting me saying, hey, what are you talking about? You don't love me as much as these foundational men? Hey, you guys know what I'm saying. You guys know where my heart is at. I shouldn't have to explain that, you know? <laughs> so don't be emailing or texting me no mess like, hey, I heard what you said on the podcast, man. I got a problem with that. Look, I love foundational men because I know that I cannot be around my kids. I can't be around my wife. I can't be around those that I care about. I can't be around those in my inner circle 24-7. So when I know that the people that are that I'm responsible for or are around a foundational men, that makes me feel good because I know what that man is all about. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. This man is faithful. This man, his word is good. This man, once again, has been through the battle. He's been tempted. He's been through all of those things, and he remains faithful on the path. He remains faithful uh, to his family, his friends, to, to God, to, to everyone. He's just a faithful man. His word is good. Gentleness. This is one that people always look at and they see that as a weakness. And I'm telling you, listen to this. If you see a man that is gentle, that is a strong, strong man. If you see a man that is being gentle around his kids, being gentle with his wife, being gentle in how he handles things, that's not a weakness. Some people look at that man and say, oh, he's a pushover. You might say that, but I dare you to act on it. See, that's the difference right there. You might say that he's he's a pushover. He's weak. I can take him. But I guarantee you, when push comes to a shove, you're not going to act on it. Why? Because you know behind that gentleness is a man that is long-suffering, a man that has been through some things, and a man that is faithful to his path and that will do anything to stay on his path. And this is men and women looking at gentleness as a weakness. And with that gentleness and that faithfulness comes self-control. He's slow to anger. He's been put in situations where you thought, man, this guy is going to freak out. He's going to freak out when he hears this. But he finds a way to ma maintain control. Why? Because he has that gentleness in his spirit. Why? Because he's all about peace. 
He's been long suffering, so he knows that the situation is nothing new. It's a learning experience. It's a time that he has to sit down and talk with whoever and teach them to, to provide perspective. And then we added in loyal. We know what loyalty is all about. Humility. A humble man is a strong man. Vision. Vision. He knows his path. He knows where he's trying to go. He knows what he's trying to do. He knows what he's trying to accomplish. And he knows the steps on how to get that done. He may not know every little minute detail. However, he knows where he's going. He knows how to get there. He knows how to put things in place to make this thing happen. He's patient. Patience. Patience is a big thing that we are missing in this world today. Nobody wants to take the time to, to do things the right way. Nobody wants to take the time to have these conversations. No one has time for that. We want someone to either do it for us or we want it to happen now. And when you have, you know, we're, we're to the point where we think that we can change behavior through one conversation. And if you have one motivating conversation that everything should be changed and everything should be good. And then when it doesn't happen and that behavior comes to the forefront once more, and it's probably within the next hour, maybe it's the next day, maybe it's the next few minutes, whatever it may be, then we're all up in an uproar saying that this man is, is, is not doing his job. This man isn't doing things correctly. This man doesn't know what he's doing or what he's talking about, but what you guys don't see, you don't see his vision. You don't see the big picture that he sees. He's seeing this behavior as, as minimal and it's beyond this behavior. See, while you're targeting, oh, I don't want him to, I don't want this student to keep interrupting anymore. He's targeting, okay, where is this coming from? Is this a t attention seeking behavior? Is this something that he learned from home? Is there something that he's missing? What is, what is going on in this young man's life that he keeps doing this? Or maybe, Maybe he feels ignored by the teacher. Maybe he feels mis mistreated by the person of authority. Hmm, that might be a possibility. But we don't ever want to think about that because we are never part of the problem. Empathy. Last but not, not least, empathy. We've talked a lot of, about empathy in the third season. And that is one thing, the one thing that I think that we're missing so much in this world. We're missing empathy. And uh, if you go back in the third season, the episode titled, What the World is, What's Missing Most in This World, that's where you'll find the talk about empathy. We don't, once, it go, once again, it comes back to the time thing. We don't have time to be empathetic. Why? Because it's not our problem anyway. They probably deserve where they're at right now. And you know what? They were probably asking for the position that they're in right now. We, it's easy to be sympathetic and play that, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Man, that's just too bad. And then what do we do? When we leave that person, we go to the next group and we sit there and we talk bad about, man, can you believe this position that so-and-so is in? Oh my gosh, did you hear what Mike said? Did you hear what Mike is going through? Man, you know, he that's his fault. He did that. Oh my gosh. If that's happening to him, he must have done something wrong. 
It happens all the time. Unfortunately, that is a, a very common scenario. So with these foundational men, that sounds very good, doesn't it? It sounds like someone that you want to bring home to mom. It sounds like someone that you would be proud to stand next to and say, hey, this is my man. This is my husband. This is my boyfriend. This is whoever. You would be proud to say, hey, this is my son's coach. So why on earth are we missing these men? Why on earth are these men, these foundational men, on the back burner right now? And that's something that we're going to have to dive into. We're going to dive deeper into that. Before we do, though, uh, we're going to dive deeper into that a, a little bit in a later episode. We did touch on that uh, on the fourth episode of the Foundational Man series, but we're going to dive deeper into that because there's a lot going on in this world, a lot of distractions, a lot of people putting out all this garbage about what it is to be a man and what it isn't to be a man and all this confusion with all the topics about gender and all this stuff and who's who and who's what, pronoun this, pronoun that. I'm, I'm sorry. I am a very, very simple man, all right? <laughs> I always just go back down to the basics and, and whatever is logical, that's what I roll with. So we have a lot of things coming in so many different directions. But the bottom line is, when you look at the front lines of, or who is at the front lines of all these topics, all these hot topics, I'm not seeing a lot of foundational men. And to me, that's a problem. That's a problem. So what is causing us to sit on the back burner? What is causing us to stay on the couch and not be at the forefront of these, these topics? I don't know. I have my ideas, but we'll touch on that a little later. But the thing that I want to really talk about is how do you become a foundational man? Now, we know that we are influenced by other people as a foundational man. We are influenced at a young age. We continue to be influenced in our preteen years and throughout our teen years. And those are the make or break years. Those are when you know, when we're all cocky and arrogant, maybe we put on a little muscle, we, we're going through puberty and we have a little mustache and we think that we're men now because we have a little armpit hair. We're starting to stink under our arms. We smell like men. We're wearing bigger size shoes, so we think that we're men now. <laughs> we're so stupid. Boys are stupid for a long time, aren't we? <laughs> we do some silly things. It's funny. It's funny, and I say that uh, I say that with a smile on my face. I ain't trying to put anybody down uh, uh, intellectually. I'm just saying the way we think at such a young age, and when we get to that that 13, 14, 15 years old, oh my gosh, we think we know everything, don't we? And then we get our driver's license at 16, and we think that we're so on top of the world. Get our first little job, mom. You can't tell me nothing. I got a paycheck. I know what I'm doing. 
running out of gas because we don't even know how to pump gas. Then we're calling up mom. Hey, uh, mom, I forgot, uh, you know what I said about I got this. I, I'm sorry. Can you uh, come and get me? I'm stranded. I ran out of gas. Yeah, 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 you're right. I, I know what I know what the gas meter is in the car, but for some reason, I just thought it wouldn't run out. <laughs> how, how many of those quest, or those uh, conversations have we had with our parents? Those, uh-oh, okay, maybe I'm not grown. But it happens. It happens. So we, we get through these, the, we go through all these things and we, um, we think we know everything, but hopefully throughout that course of time, we have some foundational men in our lives that will uh, guide us and get us back on track. And they've had the opportunity to model what a foundational man is and what it looks like and the, some of the things that he does so that you've seen it for yourself for years. That's a blessing if you've had that in your life. But there are a lot of men that haven't had that in their lives and they're trying to figure this thing out while they're in their mid-20s and 30s and some in their 40s. That makes my my skin crawl thinking that there are men in their 40s and 50s still trying to figure this thing out. You know, there are some things that you can do to help you um, become a foundational man. The first thing that you can do is this. And I know this is going to be shocking to you. I know this is going to be something that is going to blow your mind right now. But the first thing you can do is look in the mirror. There I said it. Man, I feel like a broken record. <laughs> look in the mirror because that is how it starts. You have to look in the mirror. This is how you you figure out where you're at. This is how you figure out your self-identity. This is where you where you look at yourself and you're judging your own self and comparing yourself against God's word and you're comparing yourself about who you are, who you who you desire to be and where you're trying to go. This is when you look in the mirror and you say, man, you know what? I haven't been at peace at all. I haven't shown any kind of love. I don't have joy in my life. I just feel like I've been going through things. It's hard for me to be kind to others. I don't see anything good in this world. I'm just flowing with the wind. But yes, we have to look in the mirror. That's where you get your baseline. That's where you are able to figure out your starting point. What needs to change first? Once again, going back to the basics, prioritizing things. If I change this one thing, how much of an impact would it have on my life? Would it have the greatest impact on my life right now? Is this something that I have the energy or the knowledge of wisdom to change by myself or should I start somewhere else that might be a little smaller? Something that I know I can conquer. This is where you start to realize, what can I sacrifice? 
So you have to look in the mirror. You have to look in the mirror and say, you know what? My vision has been skewed. My vision is impaired. I don't know what I'm trying to do. I don't know where I'm going. I thought I did. I've lost sight of everything in my life. You have to understand that you're not where you want to be right now. And that can look like different things for different people. Maybe you partied hard and you dabbled in some drugs. Maybe you went the total opposite way and you've thrown every minute, every hour, all your time, all your energy into your job. You don't have a balance. You don't have a balance and you have no vision. Which leads to no self-control, no love, no peace, no joy in your life. These are things that we have to think about as men. And it goes back to sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up? How much do you want? You know, a lot of people uh, talk about their marriage. That's a big thing. I mean, think about it. The past few years has been high for divorces. And I'm talking people who've been married for, for 10, 15, 20 years, getting, to, getting a divorce. Why? Because they have to spend more time with each other? mind blown, right? <laughs> I, I I can't even fathom that. That that makes no sense to me, but it is what it is. But I talk to men and women about their marriage and the big question is 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 this something that you really want? Of course the answer is yeah. Yeah, I want this. Well, if you want this, then you need to give up this. Oh, no, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Nope. Well, if you want this, you need to start doing this. Nope, nope, I can't do that. I've tried that once and it didn't work. You see how that works? <laughs> it goes back to how we started this, this conversation. People say they want something, but then when it comes time to make that sacrifice and things are really on the line, it's about to get hot. Uh-oh. It's easy to backpedal then. You don't want to step into that fire and stand in it. We want the easy way out. We want to put in the least amount of work and get maximum results. And as much as I wish it could work like that, I wish, I mean, believe me, if I could find a way to do that, I would have done it by now and I would continue to do it. And guess what? I would have shared it with all you guys. But you know what? From my experiences and the little bit of knowledge I have and the little bit of wisdom I have, it just does not work that way. Putting in little effort and getting maximum results. You know what that is to me? That's the person who just puts on a jersey on a team and says, I'm not going to show up to practice. I'm not going to uh, give my full effort at practice. I'm just going to show up for the games. And when we win the championship, I'm going to get this championship ring. Now, I know how I am. I know how I am. And that's why I cut this head off the snake right away. Because if I didn't, I'd be in trouble. Because what would happen if I didn't cut the head off of that snake right away is that we go on and we win the championship and I'm handing out the championship rings 
We're, well, no, before we get the rings, we're standing on the podium. I would be petty enough to say, nope, you stand off to the side. I would be petty enough to keep his name off the roster. I would be petty enough to, to <laughs> get the rings and then bypass him. Why? Because I knew his intentions. I knew he was not putting in any effort. I knew every time I called him out that he was not going to give his best or give his all. So to prevent any of that, of those events happening or any pettiness coming out of me during those times, I cut the head off of that snake right away. And I tell everyone, no one gets a free ride here. No one, no one gets a free ride. Why? Because for my sanity, I will not allow this. All right. But also for the sanity of the whole team, I'm not going to allow this for the culture, for the climate of the whole team. I'm not going to allow this one person to be a, a, a virus contaminating everyone's culture, everyone's attitude. So that's how I handle that. But when it comes down to it, what are you willing to sacrifice? You have to look in that mirror. Those that are willing to sacrifice something for their marriage and and put, um, well, this is going to lead as a perfect segue into the next thing that you can do. But when you are willing to sacrifice and put the other before yourself, a lot of great things can happen. And that's contagious. It truly is contagious. But we are so scared to jump out on that, on that, on that cliff and be vulnerable, be the first ones to put others before ourselves because we're thinking, well, what if we don't get anything back? What if, what if they don't reciprocate this behavior? Well, what if, what if they don't say anything? What if they get mad at me? What if this doesn't work on the first try? You know, we're thinking about all these things that could go wrong with being, uh, with put, being humble, okay, and putting others before us. But I say to you, humility is contagious. You do it enough, people are going to follow suit. And I'm talking about humility. You're doing something for someone and you're not expecting anything in return. You just, you're just doing it because one, is necessary. Two, it's something that you want to do. And, and three, you know it's the right thing to do. Why? Because you know that, we'll go back to the marriage, you know that this marriage is so important to you that you're willing to do it. You're willing to step outside of the, your box and step outside of your comfort zone to do something different. You're willing to do something, to humble yourself, to put your spouse before you in order to make things work, in order to keep things moving, in order to bring joy, love, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, long-suffering into your marriage. You see, it's because of that long-suffering and you came out of that long-suffering with a different attitude, not a woe-is-me attitude as a, you came out with the attitude of I, I've overcome. You came out with the attitude with I've learned something and now I can apply it to my marriage and now I can move forward. I see where I misstepped. I see where, where things have gone well for me. 
I know how to fix this. You see, when you start thinking about your marriage as as, as a we thing and not a me thing, a lot of things happen that are good for you. You say, you know, and the Bible says that when we're married, two become one. I don't think a lot of people understand that concept. I think we still stay separated and we are me and she or me and he, whatever. It's It's not we. It's only we when we're doing fun stuff together. You know, when you're out uh, eating with other people or maybe you're on a couple's date or whatnot, when you're doing fun things together, when it's a we thing, but when it's something that you want to do, it's a me thing. I, I mean, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, but I'm just speaking the truth here. And I'm going to speak from the man perspective. A lot of times we can get selfish in our thinking, thinking, well, I want to do this, so I'm going to force my way into this. I'm going to use brute force to get this. And instead of thinking about how she may feel, instead of including her, instead of just uh, bringing her into the conversation and speaking about your desires and your wants and your needs and all these different things, it could be something little. I'm talking about uh, maybe you want to go uh, see this new movie that you know she doesn't like, but you just want to go see it yourself or whatnot, whatever it is. I know that happened with me with John Wick. Before my wife liked John Wick, I went and saw it in the theaters, and I saw the second one in the theaters by myself. It wasn't a movie that she thought she would like, and then finally she watched it with me, and she's like, oh, man, I see, I like these, <laughs> you know? So when they come out with the fourth one, guess who's coming with me? You know? That's how that works. But we have to be able to communicate these things. And a lot of men are, are are afraid to communicate or they're using the excuse, well, I'm a man and I wasn't taught to communicate or I'm a man and we're not, we just don't communicate well. No, you just don't communicate well. Men can be great communicators. I've had a lot of coaches. I've had a lot of bosses that were men that were awesome communicators. And it wasn't because, you know, uh, it didn't they weren't stunned by being a man they figured it out so if they figured it out we can figure it out but along with that comes our pride and then it becomes a fear of being vulnerable and being rejected because no matter what i don't know any man who who likes being rejected that is a healthy healthy fear and we also, at times, can fear being rejected by our own wives. Now, how easy is that to communicate? It's not. It's not. But once you look at it, if it goes down to Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing out of selfish amb ambition or vain conceit, then it goes on to say, but instead of yourself, put, uh, put your brothers before you, seeking their interests, not your own. It's the same thing with your wife. It's the same thing with your friendships. It's the same thing with your kids. Once you start looking at it from the perspective of, hey, okay, what can I do for others to, to help them out to improve their situation? Once you start putting others before you, 
your outlook is going to be totally different and, and people are going to look at you different. People are going to respond to you differently. You're going to be able to, it's going to make it easier for you to communicate some of these things because what, what did I say? Humility is contagious. It's contagious. So you do it enough, people are going to come to you a lot differently. Now we still have people that are hardened in their hearts and they may not come to you at all. They may continue to talk about you behind your back, but that's all right. That's what they do. And then in due time with you staying the course as a freshwater warrior, their hearts will be softened. But I'm talking about in, in regular conversations where there's no animosity between each other, but there's still that, still that fear of rejection, that fear of, of, saying how you truly feel that will go away if you start to put others before you so what have we covered so far we you have to look in the mirror and you have to be humble another act of being humble is understanding that coming to the understanding that you are out of out of control you have no control of your life right now. You are not the head of your life and that nor are you going to be the head of your life, which that humility drives you to bend on your knees in prayer. A man who goes before God in prayer and repentance, asking for his guidance, um, you know, repentance, asking for forgiveness for your sins. A man who's willing to do those things, that's a humbling humbling experience why because you're admitting to god that hey you know what i don't know what's best for me and i'm leaning on you i'm taking away i'm giving away all my pride all my selfishness i'm coming to you humbly asking you to guide me asking you to lead me asking you for for wisdom and knowledge asking me i mean asking you to show me what i need to do to be a foundational man what steps do I need to take to start being a foundational man? What steps do I have to take to love again, to have joy and peace in my life, to look at my long suffering as a, a, a positive, as something that, as a tool that, I, that was used to strengthen me and to help others? What can I do to be more kind and see the goodness? What can I do to be faithful to you? What can I do to be gentle and slow to anger? What can I do to have more self-control? Please, God, clear my vision and put me on the path that you desire. Not the path that I desire, but the path that you desire. And let me be patient to hear from you. But when I, I do hear from you, let me be obedient and follow you without looking back. What do I need to do to be empathetic? What do I need to do to be able to put myself in the shoes of others? I know I'm not gonna always have the answers, nor should I, but what can I do mentally to put myself in their shoes and just lend an ear to let them know that they are not alone? See, this is what I'm talking about. This is, these are the steps that you need to take to become a foundational man and then also also, 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 the next step after that, after you have after you have looked in the mirror, after you have humbled yourself, after you have humbled yourself again in prayer, 
now you have to start surrounding yourself around other foundational men. Why? Because we cannot do this alone. It has been proven. There's so much research that we are not supposed to do life alone. <laughs> you know? And who you hang around is who you're going to be. If I want to be the best bank robber, robber, then I can't be around foundational men. They ain't going to teach me that. I'm going to be the world's sorriest bank robber if I'm hanging around foundational men. If I want to be the best quarterback in the NFL, then I need to hang around people that have been quarterbacks or that are quarterback coaches that are specialized in this, that are going to help me grow. I can't be hanging out with the baseball players. So if you want to be a foundational man, then you need to surround yourself with other foundational men. And that is another thing that's scary, asking for help, seeking help, seeking guidance, asking, hey, hey, brother, I, I like what you're doing. Can, I mean, I would like to, you know, it's not like this, but I'm going to just say it like this for, for entertainment purposes. But, you know, you see someone, hey, brother, I like what you've been doing. You, you seem to be a foundational man. Can me and you be friends? That's a, that's a hard conversation. <laughs> you know, it's a hard conversation. We sometimes we have too much pride. And then once again, it's that fear of rejection. But I'm going to tell you this much. If you are around a foundational man enough, he's going to already know what you need or have a, a, an idea that you're in need of something or in, in need of some, some mentoring and, some guidance, he's going to know. He's going to have an idea. may not know every little thing or every step, but he can find the, help you find that starting point and help be your guide. So don't worry about that stuff. But those are some of the things that you can do to start to become a foundational man. And then what another thing that you can do, and this is the last thing I'll say is be intentional. You have to be intentional with being kind and being good. Uh, you have to be intentional with being gentle. It's not easy. I know it's easy for me to lash out. I just did it today. I had to be gentle today, but I had to prove my point. I had my daughter, we were all playing out outside in the rain. We came to the the playground and was shooting some hoops. Everybody was having fun. She was on the jungle gym. I was schooling the, the my sons in basketball, you know, on a bum knee. I'm telling you, they can't hold me. I still got these old school moves that they ain't ready for yet. I was draining threes in their face, picking up their eyeballs because I was, boom, wet, right in their face, right in their face, picking their eyeballs up, giving them back to them so they can try to guard me again. Spin move here. Not I'm not too too fond of the spin move right now, right now with my knee acting up. But, you know, I was, I was letting them have it, you know, letting them have it. And then my daughter came over. She started playing. And so we were all playing with the different basketballs. We had two basketballs. So she's playing with one. She takes my, my oldest son, well, oldest son in the house, but middle son. And then she's thinking, I don't know what she was doing. She was playing to keep away and got mad and she spit on my son. I was like, oh, my God. 
And then he said, oh, dad, you know, Velia spit on me. And I said, what? And I'm thinking to myself, hopefully it's like, you know, that little kind of spit. And then he shows me his shirt, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he really spit on him. Now, instantly, I wanted to rage out because, I mean, think about that. Spitting on someone, oh, my gosh. I know, whoo, whoo, I'm getting hot right now just thinking about it. I mean, if someone spits on me, I don't care who it is. Someone's going to have to pay for something. I mean, I have my reflexes are going to either slap you down, <laughs> push you down, or something. I mean, you spit on someone, that's saying, oh, man, that's like, oh, I totally, I don't even, I don't just hate you. I despise you. I don't want anything. It's disgusting. Spitting on someone is just so disrespectful. It instantly makes people want to be violent. It makes people go from zero to a hundred and second, not seconds, in a second. So when I saw that, I had to, oh, man, I was ready to go to 100. And I told her, I did raise my voice to get my dad voice on. I did I did have to do that to let her know I was serious and let her know that this won't be tolerated. But then I had to bring it back down to being gentle and letting her know that that, that is absolutely, without a doubt, nothing that will be approved in this household, nothing that would be, uh, it won't be anything that's, acceptable in this household and it's just downright nasty and a despicable gesture to do period now i had to go from this can't be real to flat out anger to have some self-control with my tone i like i said i put the dad voice on her I did put the dad voice on her because it was necessary. But I didn't go above that and I brought it back down. I had to be gentle about it. Now, that is because it's not from just practice. That is because I've made up in my mind I'm going to be intentional about being gentle. I'm going to be intentional about maintaining self-control. And it's not always easy, but... While I'm talking, while I was talking, I was thinking, okay, you said you're gonna be, you're gonna be intentional about being gentle. This is your time to really prove it. You know, when I was thinking, okay, this can't be real. I was thinking, okay, if it is real, <laughs> what are you gonna do? How are you gonna respond? Gentlemen, you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. And, the, and if you go back to the, I think, the third series, all these fruits, all these qualities or characteristics of a foundational man, they come from God. And so if you see a man that is showing these characteristics, then you know that he is doing some good things and he has a relationship with God. Once again, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Some of you women are, are missing out on these men because 
you can't you're not able to recognize some of these qualities you think they're still a weakness maybe it's not something that you think you desire maybe you don't know what you want yet but there's a lot of foundational men out there a lot of them a lot of them ready ready to be in a relationship with you but you're gonna have to do your part too because I tell you what, just like a foundational man wants to hang around another foundational man, a foundational man wants to marry a foundational woman. And if you're not a foundational woman, then you're going to be hard pressed to foundation to find a foundational man. And it's vice versa with the men. But like I said, I'm talking about the men right now, but it's still vice versa. Some of you men out here are just flowing with the wind. Talking about men. I can't find any good women. I, I just need a good woman and, and da, 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 da. Well, what are you going to do with this good woman? If you're not a foundational man, you're going to end up losing her anyway. You're going to end up uh, wronging her. If you want to attract a foundational woman, you better be a foundational man. It's that simple. It's just that simple, isn't it? I mean... I don't know how to make it any more simple. But that's just how it goes. You know, I've been reading this book, The Outward Mindset, and I'm going to touch on it. I don't want to make this one so long, but I, I thought I was going to touch on it a little bit. Um, well, I kind of did, whatever. But I thought I was going to talk specifically about this book and some of the things that are in it. Uh, a lot of good messages in it. And a lot of us are doing these things. We just haven't been able to identify or give it a name of what we're doing. But this book, The Outward Mindset by the Arbinger uh, Institute, has been really fascinating for me. It was it was recommended to me by a, a colleague. And so I uh, ordered the book and got it and have been reading it, been enjoying it. So uh, we're going to touch on that in the next episode. I'll be releasing that next Friday, and we'll we'll go from there. But with that being said, guys, bottom of the, bottom line is the moral of the story is foundational men are out there. They're out there, but you got to start being a foundational woman. You're gonna have to start being able to recognize them. And guess what? I broke it down for you with examples, so you can identify. A foundational man. I did all the hard work for you. So now you have to just be in tune and know what you're looking at. And now while you're doing that and you're you're hearing this about a foundational man, what it means to be a, a foundational man, these these qualities of a foundational man. Man, I said that like 15 times in a row, but you <laughs> didn't mean to do that. But you're hearing these qualities. Now you can start thinking, okay, I need to do the same thing. And this will make me a foundational woman. And when I am a foundational woman, this is going to make me desirable to a foundational man. And men, you're doing the same thing. If you're not a foundational man and you want a foundational woman, you're doing the same thing. Listen to this. Okay, so these are the things that I need to work on and these are the things I need to pray about. And so now I can move forward and now I can start to, to uh, seek some of these things that I've been desiring in my life. So 
with that being said, guys, I want to thank you guys for continuing to be awesome, continuing to be the freshwater warriors out there, continuing to set the example for being at the front and not at the back of these issues, for standing your ground and staying the course for overcoming. I want to thank you all for doing these things, and I love all each and every one of you. I love all of you. I loved a lot of yes, all right? <laughs> all right, guys. With that being said, remember we're in the business of healing and not hurting. And remember to be the fresh water that heals in a salty environment. Until we meet again, my friends.